Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online, internet, around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you're here today. Now, I want to share something today with you before we jump into today's message about God's ability to protect you, keep you safe, and also to establish what I would call a divine insurance policy around you. You know, when you go to uh, buy a car, you have to immediately get insurance on that car. And um, you, you just need that because somebody could crash into you and then there needs to be insurance to cover that. A uh, true story of a man that bought a jet airplane and um, he bought it from the, from the seller and the seller uh, said, well, you know, you're not leaving until tomorrow. So since you're going to fly out tomorrow with the plane that you just bought, we'll just leave the, um, we'll leave your airplane in the hangar uh, that, you know, of the person that just sold it. Uh, but it, the, the uh, new owner didn't get insurance on the aircraft. And that night of all things, there was a fire that broke out and the hangar was destroyed and the plane was destroyed and the person had no insurance on it. And he was responsible for that loss. My friends, um, we have a phenomenal insurance policy as laid out in scripture, Malachi chapter three, verse 11. And the Lord is speaking in context of the man, the woman that honors God with the tithe. That's 10% of our income, 10% of our increase. God says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Once I was ministering some years back in Canada, uh, actually in Calgary, very beautiful city, very powerful church. And uh, there were two speakers. Uh, the, the pastor had invited me to come and he had invited a well-known pastor from Nigeria to come. So it was kind of like um, uh, uh, one conference, but two different speakers. And me and the Nigerian pastor didn't know each other. So he had ministered already several times, and the meetings were going very well. And I ministered, and when I ministered, uh, I taught. But then I give room for the Holy Spirit to move, and the Holy Spirit moved in um, very, very unusual ways. It was the ways uh, that uh, many of the people had never seen before. And, and uh, to be honest, some of the things I'd never seen before, <laughs> it was very powerful. And uh, when things kind of calmed down a little bit, when we tried to, you know, you, you know, pull ourselves together, the Nigerian pastor said, um, he said to the whole church, he said, well, in Nigeria, we have had many revivals. And he said, I have to admit, this is an absolute pure move of God that has happened as brother Stephen has come in and ministered. And, um, and you know, th that was nice to have somebody familiar with revivals to say, yeah, that was something straight from heaven. Now I already knew that it was, but that, you know, it's just good that we're all flowing together, but he shared something in one of his testimonies that I want to share with you because as iron uh, sharpens iron. So does one man sharpen another. I want to share the, his testimony with you. He said that he had all of his life savings in the bank. And for him, it was the equivalent. It was African money, Nigerian money at that time. But he said it was equivalent of us uh, $100,000 and it taken him quite some time to save it, but he had a hundred thousand dollars cash. Uh, but it was Nigerian money in the bank. And one night he said, the Holy spirit spoke to him and said, take all of your money out of the bank tomorrow, get it all out of the bank tomorrow. So he did, he took it all out and then he turned it into us dollars. The Holy spirit had told him to do that also. So he gets all of his money out, converts it into uh, us dollars. And then the day after that, the whole uh, economy crashed and their dollar crashed. And uh, all of the money uh, overnight across the country became pretty much worthless. But my friends, he said, God protected him. Now he is a adamant tither and he believes uh, according to scripture that God protects you. And I'm here to tell you the same thing. God does. He'll protect you. He'll warn you. We just had the big crazy FTX scandal. 
I truly believe that for someone who is a Spirit-filled believer, that there's several ways the Holy Spirit would help in this area to anybody that has a heart for God. Number one, he would either say, don't get into that, because um, you never want to invest in anything that you don't understand. But uh, that whole thing was just a Ponzi scheme. But even if you had maybe gotten suckered into it, because maybe friends were getting into it or whatever, you're maybe pressured to do it. I still believe that if you have a vibrant prayer life and you're walking with the Lord, he would tell you, get out. He would be doing all he could to get signals over to you to get out. Well, praise God. Well, of course, many didn't. But you know what? Uh, how many of those who didn't, how many of them were tithers? I'm just telling you, my friends, people can laugh at, at us Christians. They can laugh at the Bible. But I'm telling you, there is supernatural protection for those that are tithers that honor the Lord with the tithe. And if you don't, that it, there are gaps. The enemy can come in and hit you. And he'll try to hit you in areas that hurt you financially. I received a text from a brother uh, who was an online member with this church. I, I've met him before. We're friends. And he kind of just like faded out for about a year. And he texted me. He said, uh, Pastor Stephen, I'm so sorry you haven't heard from me in so long. And uh, I also, as you know, I have not been tithing. I stopped tithing. And he said, oh, what a mistake. He had a real, real long text. And he said all these uh, basically calamities began to happen to him when he stopped tithing and somebody had talked him out of it. Another Christian had talked him out of it. And so he's making money. And at that time he was making real good money and he stopped tithing and his whole world began to fall apart. His car was stolen. His finances were hit, uh, all kinds of complications and weird, bizarre things happening. And he said, Pastor Brooks, I just want you to know I'm back, and I'll never miss a tithe ever again. And he said, you know, this is something that I already knew. God had already taught me this, but yet I let somebody talk me out of it. But he said, I'm never going to let that happen again. Praise God. I'm telling you, there is protection for the tither. And I will rebuke, God says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He is talking to the man, the woman, the boy, the girl that tithes, that gives him 10% on their increase. And he, he rebukes the devourer so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, all of your work, all of your efforts. Uh, God protects all of that. He protects your harvest and he protects what you have. Woo. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to God. Amen. So today let's honor the Lord with our tithes and offerings. Let's walk in protection. Let's walk in safety. Let's walk in wisdom and let's let the Lord cover us because there could be, there could be some blind spots. There could be some areas we don't know about, but one thing's for sure. Um, there are so many things that can happen or go wrong from, uh, not just maybe being swindled, but also theft, identity theft and thieves, uh, you know, when they want to steal, if they have access, they'll, they'll do it through uh, credit card theft, identity theft, um, stealing of documents and things like that. And there's a lot of things out there. So you just want to walk in the protection of the Lord. And so when you tithe, God covers you in that area, He'll protect you and preserve you. And I believe you'll live a long life. Amen. We're going to see the glory of God, the goodness of God. All right, so let's honor the Lord now and walk in the financial covenant of blessing and supernatural protection, divine insurance policy all around us. Glory, glory to God. Now, for those of you that prefer to mail in your tithes and your offering, please send it to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, our zip code 28654. Now, if you want to bring your tithe and offering in online, it's very easy, very safe and secure. Please visit stephenbrooks.org. And there is the link on our homepage and there's a red heart. It says, give right there. You can bring your tithe in right there. Okay. And if you want to give an offering, which would be a great blessing to the ministry, particularly as we're heading towards the close of the year, 
Help put us over. Amen. Glory to God. Help put us over and click on that orange bracket that says projects and just sow where the Holy Spirit would lead you uh, into uh, the, any of the various projects. And uh, that will help push us forward with wind in our sails. Praise God. Now, Heavenly Father, I pray for your people that they walk in the financial covenant and that they tithe and that they give as your Holy Spirit leads them. And I thank you for protection from uh, all of the crazy stuff that's out there. Um, crazy drivers, uh, a burglary, theft, all the craziness. Lord, we thank you for a for an invisible shield of protection that is real. We thank you, Father God, your angels are, are on guard. We thank you, Father, you're protecting every facet of our lives. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. We all agree and say, Amen. Praise God. Amen. You're blessed, blessed, blessed. Hallelujah. Now, let's go to Daniel chapter 12. And I want to talk today about casting our crowns. Before the Lord, amen, the importance of that, because we are living in some very, very interesting times. I want to dive into this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we study your word this morning, let your Holy Spirit come bringing illumination, light, understanding. So, Father, that we can take this, walk in it, and enjoy the righteous fruit that it produces. We thank you, Father, we receive your word today as our spiritual food, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -mm. Now, Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Now, those that turn people to darkness, they're going into the lake of fire that burns with fire and brimstone forever and ever and ever, a place so awful that God didn't even make it for man. He made it for Satan and all of the outlaw rebel demon spirits that followed him. Well, uh, the men that have, and women are the sinners that have followed Satan. They're going to go in there with him, but we are those that turn people to righteousness. Let me say that the most beautiful thing on this planet is holiness. It is absolutely the most beautiful thing on the earth. Praise God. And that's why the high priest in the Old Testament, he would have that miter, like a type of a crown on his head, and it would say, holiness unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. Praise God. That meant his thought life and his thinking dedicated to the Lord. Praise God. Now, look at verse 4. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. Until the time of the end. All right, now we, we are in those times where I believe many of the scriptures pertaining to the last days or eschatology study of the end time events are going to get cracked open, better understood. And I, I honestly, I think in the last 10 years, the church has made a lot of really good leaps in this understanding of what's going to happen in the Middle East, what is unfolding with Israel and the surrounding nations, what will um, extend out into even Europe with a revived like ancient Roman Empire system coming back to life, what's going to happen with uh, the Northern Hemisphere, North America, South America. I believe we're getting a lot of understanding and more is unfolding even at this moment. And it says, many shall run to and fro. Woo! Do we ever see that running to and fro, busyness, busyness, and knowledge? And this is a prophetic indicator knowledge shall increase. And the truth is, my friends, it has increased like explos explosively with, ex with explosive knowledge increase. You know, um, I don't have a Ford truck right now. I had one, let's see, last year. And uh, when I was getting some service done on my truck, I went to the local Ford dealership, which happens to be the oldest one in the state. And while the truck was being serviced, one of the old men that worked there, he said, um, Mr. Brooks, he said, uh, let me show you something you might be interested in. I said, okay. And we walked over to the window and he said, you see that old area over there? It's kind of grown up with trees now. I said, yes. He said that used to all be open and there was a big corral there. And so when you came in to purchase a Model T 
or one of the early versions of the Ford vehicles, that's where you would trade your horse in at. So you'd get off your horse, you'd trade, you'd use your horse for some trade-in value, and you go get your new car. And that's where the horses used to go. And I saw another spot also in another area where all these horses, but you know, uh, it's amazing to think that within this short time period, just a little over a hundred years, we've gone from horses uh, and from early level model T's to uh, people going to the moon and back and soon going to the Mars uh, and back. It really is amazing. So you can see that knowledge is increasing, but <laughs> wow, there's a part of it. That's really good because it makes our life better. I like having uh, GPS on my phone. I like the phone talking me and telling me where to turn and stuff like that. Or you could get in some cars and they'll drive themselves. Um, still, they have a lot of kinks to iron out on that, but they're getting better all the time. Knowledge is certainly increasing. But at the same time, this is causing um, some, some problems that are very large. And unfortunately it's only going to get worse. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. And I think probably the best way to explain it is just read uh, from the book of Exodus chapter 20, which is the chapter that gives us the 10 commandments. Let's begin in verse one. Exodus chapter 20, verse one. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. That is number one on the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. But today, men and women all over the world, particularly all over America, because this is where I live and I see it going on all the time, men and women today worship all kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the thing that is worshiped the most is technology and it has captured the attention. It has even captured uh, devotion and adoration of many. And today technology is worshiped. I was watching a uh, like documentary on these chips, particularly chips that are used in computers and how they're getting faster and faster. And I've noticed it myself. I've got probably one of the fastest laptops in the world. That's got the M one chip. Ah, but they just came out with the M two. <laughs> so as far as computer speed, it's still blazing fast. I, I recently got rid of a, an old laptop that was, it was 17 years old. It still worked. But of course you can't update the, the operating system or anything like that. So it was like a dinosaur, but that thing to start that thing up, it'd take it like four minutes to start up this new laptop. Boom. Open up, log in with your password, whoop, whole thing's live running full speed processing, you know, high level files if needed or whatever the case is, you, anything you throw at it, it doesn't bog it down. Just choose it up and powers right through it. <laughs> a gift from a ministry partner, praise the Lord. But my friends, People work, they worship technology. And as I was watching this documentary about how these chips are made, some of the comments people were making were, the, it was just flat out open uh, idolatry. It was worship. They were, they, were, they were saying like the people that make these things must be like on a God level. And uh, I mean, this is like God technology and it is very advanced, but even still, you know, it's all based on sand silicon. And you know, the whole thing is, is a very fragile system. Now God is giving the grace for technology. And this is actually prophesied in scripture that knowledge is going to increase. So we're going to use it for good. We're going to use it for the gospel. We're going to use it for medicine and science and things that can make the world better for, for others and for ourselves. But beware of the danger of technology. There are people that worship technology and it's going to increase to a level that will be almost like mind boggling. Even before we get to the millennium, when the devil is finally locked up and thrown into the bottomless pit for 1000 years and the demons are chained. Wow. I mean, the technology is going to just go off the charts. It's going to make the stuff that we, that we have today. It's going to make these things look like a, a stupid brick. Okay. But I tell you what, even today though, some amazing things are taking place. Praise God. But be, be aware of this because 
men will actually worship the work of their own hands. And they're so stupid. The heart of the unregenerate, the unsaved is so stupid that it can't figure out. Now, wait a minute. I'm the one that made that. <laughs> All right. I'm the one that made that. And I had COVID two weeks ago. I sure can't be God. <laughs> I'm, I'm the one that made that. And I, uh, well, I had, uh, I had diarrhea two days ago. I don't think I'm God. No, you're not. You're not. But yet those same people turn around and they worship something that they've made. And they're happy when others uh, worship them for what they made. But no, there's only one true and living God. Yes, we're made in his image. And we do see these phenomenal qualities of God in humanity, saved or unsaved, because we're all made in his image. Of course, the born again man filled with the spirit is much more able to express uh, uh, the purity and the image of God and become a child of God. Wow, I really have to reject the heretical statement that Pope Francis made, and he's made quite a few, um, but he basically said, we're all children of God. And, you know, he was including Muslims, uh, Buddhists, and uh, just every world religion, doesn't matter what you believe, we're all children of God. No, that's heresy. That is a lie. You, you can be on the earth made in the image of God, but you only become a child of God when you're born again, washed with the blood of Jesus. And then you're in the family of God, and then you become a child of God. I mean, if we're all children of God, and we're all right with God, then what did Jesus die for? Okay, so we, we can see the danger of what's going on with that, you know, potential uh, desired formation of a one world religion leading to one world government. We know where that's going. Okay, but still we need to stay strong on this because knowledge is going to be increasing in such a way that people will be fascinated by it. But I'm just saying, chill out, relax, don't worship. My friends, don't worship technology. It's no big deal. Oh, Pastor Stephen, you should see what they can do. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. Now, this happened some years back. This was over 50 years ago. But this is when the jet age, this was after World War II, and, uh, you, know, you know, America moves into the jet age, Europe moves into the jet age, and so uh, eventually we move from propeller flight, and now we're flying around commercially, even with jets. And it was in the 1960s, um, you know, a lot of people came to San Giovanni Rotondo to meet the prophet of God, uh, Padre Pio, and one day there was a group of people, they were there at the monastery, they were talking, and um, one, one Italian man was all excited about jet technology and how he was going to fly from Rome all the way to New York, and, you know, it only takes eight hours or something like that. And Padre Pio said, eight hours? He said, when I go, it only takes me about two or three minutes. <laughs> He turned around and walked off because he was making trips all the time in the spirit realm, just like uh, Enoch, who was translated, just like Elijah, who was translated, just like, um, you know, what's his name down there? Uh, uh, the man ministering to the Ethiopian eunuch translated, talking so fast, I'm forgetting names. Praise the Lord. But you all know who I'm talking about. Praise God. Philip, praise the Lord. The Ethiopian eunuch translated 44 miles away to another place after he'd water baptized uh, that man. Well, my friends, we don't need to be bamboozled by all this technology. It's just, it's nothing compared to where we're going. It's nothing, it's certainly nothing compared to heaven. Remember, we're going to live for all eternity. What are you going to be doing one billion years from now? Do you think that we will have advanced a little bit further? Well, you know we will as God just, you know, begins to unload uh, more and more information uh, to us. But please do not ever worship or lean in that direction of worshiping technology. But you're going to see it happen. You're going to see it happen. It already is. It's going to get worse. Number two. And remember, remember, God said, you shall have no other gods before me. Are you ready for the next big God that's already being worshipped? Uh, when I say big God, it's a false God. But it's one of the big ones that's being worshipped, so-called. It's the planet. It's the planet in the guise of the climate crisis, and uh, sometimes they call it uh, the Green New Deal. And of course, when you study it, it's not green, and it's definitely not a good deal. But they're pushing this, and the reason they're pushing the, cr the climate crisis so strong is because they're looking for a point of unity where the world can unite to around one central thing that they think will heal the planet. And they can use to ride that 
momentum into a one world government, one world religion, and, and you know, a leader over all of them. And so that's, that's really the, what they're doing. They're really not concerned about the planet. Now, many activists are, but you have to admit for them that has now become their religion. So they actually worship this. They worship the planet. They worship, uh, you know, the green deal or whatever it might be. And you talk to them, you realize, you realize, Hey, this is their God. This is what they eat, sleep and breathe. But again, what are they doing? They're worshiping the creation instead of the creator. And it's really crazy. It's just really, it's just, it's just as dumb as you know, uh, taking a block of wood and carving something out of it and saying, Oh, that's my God. And you bow down to it and you have it enough sense to figure out you're the one that carved that. I mean, it's just, it's lunacy, but it's also a deception. We understand that. But my friends, uh, the worship of the planet and the worship of, uh, you know, a clean society and all of this, we need to be realistic because in our lifetime, until Christ, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah comes back. It's just not going to get cleaned up. Now I don't pollute. I don't, I don't pour out gas or take used motor oil and just throw it on the ground. No, no, I try to do my part. We have a recycle area and all that stuff. I understand that. And I, and I've, I've been in countries. I think about Calcutta in India. Wow. You're talking about pollution. So thick, <laughs> you could see it flying in and you think, you know, they really should do something about all these rickshaws because the pollution is horrible. So I understand. Yeah. We, there's some things we need to fix, but you also have to understand those countries don't care at all about it. They, they don't care about the pollution. They might say they do, but China, India, they don't care about any of that. So, um, this is a religion. This is a worship of the planet and really a desire to worship under the banner of a one world religion. Let me read what the Bible says about this. And I'm going to read it from the uh, passion translation. Praise the Lord. Now Romans chapter eight, verse 18, Paul, the apostle says, I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. That's you and me. So all of the earth is excited about this. Uh, the planets and the distant stars and galaxies, they're all anticipating what's going to take place with the sons and daughters of God. That's you and me. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now with eager expectation, all creation longs, listen, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to declare to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. To this day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were in the contractions of labor for childbirth. And it's not just creation. We who have already experienced the first fruits of the spirit also inwardly groan as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies being transformed for this is the hope of our salvation. Woo. Praise God. So the universe, the earth, the oceans, the trees, the mountains, the forest, they're crying out for all of this agony, the end what's causing it sin. Pastor Stephen, we have a real problem with global warming. Uh, you got a much bigger problem than that. It's a sin problem. But see, you have leaders, religious leaders, and I love my Catholic fr friends. I have many Catholic friends, but here the Pope is pushing the climate agenda. We have to heal the earth. We have to make this a priority. We have to issue a new 10 commandments because we must save the planet. No, 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 no. The whole reason the planet is in the mess it's in is because of sin. Preach the gospel. That's what they need. Preach the gospel. 
What does it matter if we have ecological perfection and we put every piece of debris in the proper trash bin and we put all the plastic in the right container and then we all die and go to hell because we're a bunch of sinners? Mm. Praise to God. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory. It's a sin problem. Mm -mm. Pastor Stephen, we need to do away with fossil fuels. We need to do away with sin. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'd better move on to the next point. I think it's making a few people nervous. Praise God. Now, this increase of knowledge, remember, it's, it's explosive knowledge, but it's, it's continuing to grow. And here's the thing with this knowledge. They're figuring out how things work. I mean, to the infinite degree. There are formulas uh, in some ways for success. Now, there's always the hidden magic. You know what I'm saying? There's always, um, you can't put on a graph, you know, like passion. You can't put on a graph, uh, a willingness to never quit. But other areas, people have begun to figure things out that used to be a mystery and people didn't know. And maybe the few that walked in the knowledge of it, they held it and they kept it back so that others can't get into it. Well, eventually in that field, the truth began to come out of how they developed that, did that, accomplished that. And even if it's proprietary knowledge, well, somebody else over here is going to eventually crack that code too. And so this knowledge is everywhere. And unlike any other time in history, we now have the internet. So it's available to us. And so it's an overload. So you can find out anything about anything. You can find out who built the pyramids. There's a lot of argument about that. Some say it wasn't even the Egyptians. It, you know, and on and on it goes. Some say Enoch built it, and on and on and on it goes. But there's just knowledge on anything and everything you can think about. And it can be a massive distraction. Have you noticed that? <laughs> it can be a total massive distraction. Woo! And you have to be very disciplined because it's going to continue to explode. Mm -mm. It's getting more and more. Um, they're just figuring out everything. They're figuring out not only the mysteries of the atom. They're figuring out mysteries about the human body. They figure, and that, there's look, we're never going to know it all, but they're figuring out things that I'll, I'll give you an example. They know what you like. They know what you like and they know how to present it to you to get it before you. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. Let me, let me talk about the next thing that is worshipped. And it's only going to increase also because they're getting it dialed in more and more. Why? Because they know what you like. And while we've talked about um, the worship of technology, the worship of the planet, there is today, I would call it the worship of accessories. And this is very, very real. What kind of accessories, Pastor Stephen? Let me give you an example. I think this is so interesting in the book of Judges. Judges chapter 8. I think, I think some of you can connect with a really good understanding of what I'm about to share with you. Verse 22. Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, both you and your son, and your grandson also, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon said to them, I... I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Ah, yes, good Gideon. Hey, that's what got you there. Humility, complete reliance on God. Good. Way to go, Gideon. Good response. But Gideon's in a different place he's ever been in before. He's now in a place of success. <laughs> and he now has authority. He's got a whole lot of favor, obviously. And you can... You can make a mistake with favor because you can be like so much. You can ask for something. And even if you're not supposed to have it, you can still get it because they like you so much. And so you're going to have to learn this dimension of this walk with the Lord. Once you hit those levels that just because you can, doesn't mean that you should. Oh, but Gideon, he's going to do it. Anyhow, watch this. Then Gideon said to them, I would like to make a request of you that each of you would give me the earrings from his plunder. For they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. 
So they answered, We will gladly give them. And they spread out a garment, and each man threw into it the earrings from his plunder. Now the weight of the gold earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold. That's a lot of gold, folks. Besides the crescent ornaments, pendants, and purple robes which were on the kings of Midian, and besides the chains that were around their camels' necks. Then Gideon made it into an ephod. Now watch this. He took this gold, and uh, so there's some work going on here with metallurgy and crafting and uh, exquisite fine craftsmanship. Then Gideon made it into an ephod and set it up in his city, Ophrah, and all Israel. Wow, it's like it hurts to read it, but we have to face this reality that the human heart is so deceptive. And now when it's, when you're born again and you're surrendered to Jesus, you have the life of God on the inside of you, but you must still be careful. But it doesn't surprise me at all how sinners can get hung up on a rock, on a piece of metal shaped in a very fashionable way, but fall out for it and just go crazy over it. Watch this. And all Israel played the harlot with it there. It became a snare to Gideon. And to his house, Gideon got that back there in his little laboratory, had all this gold, and he gets all of his chemicals together, and he gets, uh, he gets a, a crucible going real hot, and he gets back there working and sweating, and uh, I don't know, maybe Bezalel from the Old Testament from years earlier dropped by and gave him a few tips. No, of course, he's dead by now. But, I mean, uh, Bezalel, who crafted all those things for the tabernacle of Moses, it's like Gideon got in the zone, and he fashioned and created something out of gold uh, that sparkled and was so beautiful that when he put it on display, people gasped. <gasps> We've never seen anything like that before. And they actually began to worship it. And even Gideon got caught up in this this pull towards an object that he made with his own hands. And I've seen people do it over cars. I've seen people do it over cars. <gasps> Pastor Stephen, look, it's a Ferrari. <gasps> it's like they changed their whole tone of voice. It's like suddenly they're like they saw God or something like that. And it's like they start to almost like get into like a worship mode. <gasps> wow. Hey, it's a car with a combustible engine. Maybe they've got a, their hybrid engine in it, but it's just a car shaped by men's hands. Is it beautiful? Yes. Is it designed in many ways a lot better than other vehicles? Oh, no question about that. High performance? Sure. But hey, it's still, it's still aluminum, metal, plastic, uh, you know, rubber for the tires and stuff like that. It's just stuff that has been extracted out of the earth and put together just like Gideon did with the ephod. What are we doing bowing down, worshiping it? Why are we drooling over it? No, I can, I can appreciate. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yes, it's nice. Yeah, I can tell the difference between a Bentley and, you know, a Ford Festiva that costs $9,000 or whatever it might be. Although Ford's not making cars now except for the Mustang. But my friends, yeah, I can tell the difference. And yeah, sure, sure, right color, a pretty, yeah, I can appreciate that and enjoy that, but get down and worship it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I might even go to a car show and enjoy myself, but get down and worship one? Not on your life. Amen. But I, I've seen others uh, do it. Oh, 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 get on their knees. Oh, oh, whoo, Lord have mercy. I have a minister friend. He went to Israel. And uh, ministered and had, had a little free time walking around and uh, kind of ventured into a, a jewelry store. And there was a master craftsman in the back. And this man said to my minister friend, he said, um, he said, why don't you let me make you a ring? My friend said, well, um, yeah, are you pretty good? The man said, yeah, yeah, I'm real good. And so my friend said, okay. So this man goes back there. It took a couple of days, but my friend was there in, in Jerusalem for a couple of days. So a couple of days later, he goes back and uh, goes back to the store, and the man brings out the ring. And what can you say? Off the charts, 
Yeah, I mean, when I saw it, I was, and he showed it to me because my minister friend wore it back and he was wearing it. I said, <laughs> I said, that's probably the most incredible ring. You, you talk about eye candy and you're like, wow. Yeah, that, that's, it was like that. And, um, but it created a problem for him. Everywhere he went, it was the same response over and over. <gasps> Let me see the ring. I mean, you would have thought that he was like, you know, like, um, what's his name out of the Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit, you know, the one ring that will bind them all. You would have thought, well, maybe that's that ring. Cause it was just like people would see it. <gasps> Look at that. And it was, it was incredible. I've never till this day, I've ever seen another ring like that before. <laughs> it was incredible. It, it was beautiful. And it, you know, 18 karat gold, but the stones that were set had Israeli flag color in it. Then it had some, oh, it was just, it was crazy. It was, it had some rubies in it. It was phenomenal, but it wasn't gaudy, but it was like elegant luxury. And it was just incredible. But he told me, he said, when he showed it to me, uh, and, and, you know, and I thought, yeah, it was really amazing. But I saw him again, like two weeks later. And he said, I, Stephen, I couldn't take it anymore. He said, so I just would get stopped all the time, just like Gideon, you know, with the ephod. I get stopped all the time and people asking about it and like falling over on it. And he said, he said, one young minister said, well, that's a really nice ring. He said, I just gave it to him. <laughs> Woo! Praise the Lord. It's gone. Free. Free. Amen. Is there anything wrong with something like that? No, of course not. But uh, you do just have to be aware that. Some people, some companies, they have figured out, actually, you could call it formulas for beauty. Uh, Rolex has. Um, you look at a Japanese watch, and somebody might say, well, Pastor Stephen, those watches are, are quartz, and they, they'll run, and they won't lose a second for the next 100 years. Yep, you're right. And they look goofy, too. And that's why they don't demand the same brand recognition or the same price <laughs> because they don't have that ability. Many other nations that try to produce watches, certainly America, they just have not figured it out like the Swiss have. And there are some of those Swiss brands, they dial it in and they know exactly what they're doing. They know if it's too big or gaudy or if they just, they know how to get it just right. And people see it. And, you know, people think, wow, that's something I'd really like. But see, this, uh, this knowledge is increasing as humanity is unlocking, uh, particularly companies with branding. They're unlocking this area of knowing what it is that catches your attention for women. Maybe it's a purse or something like that or a pair of shoes. They know how to dial it in. They actually know what you like. Mm -mm. But again, we come back to the same thing. Ferrari is a phenomenal car. Actually, the Ferrari brand is the number one name recognition brand in the world today. But, you know, what does it matter really? You know, it's like one minister said that he went to the, he was in Italy ministering and then he was done, had some free time and they offered to give him a tour of the Ferrari factory. He said it was the most phenomenal, uh, high tech, cleanest uh, facility he'd ever been in in his life. And that's beautiful. That is commendable. But what does it matter if we get hung up in all of this and nobody's saved at the factory? We're all just a bunch of, you know, heathens or something like that. Or we don't believe in God, but we produce a beautiful product. What's going to happen? You'll end up worshiping that product. And there are many who do. There are people that worship these, I would call them accessories, whether it's a purse or whether it's a ring, or whether it's Gideon's ephod. I'm telling you, people worship these things, and they'll do anything to get them. Mm -mm. Watch out. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory. Glory. John chapter 18. Let me jump over there real quick. John 18. And this is verse 38. Pilate said to him, this is the conversation Jesus and Pilate were having. Pilate said to him, what is truth? Because, you know, if you don't have the Ten Commandments, if you don't have an understanding of God's Word, you have no basis for truth or falsity or right or wrong or bad or good or pure or evil. It's just every man's left to his own opinion. 
And so the next thing you have is you have a bunch of perverts saying that their way of life is normal and it should be normalized. No, it's perversion. And people that do those things should be put in prison. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried again, saying, Not this man, but we want Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Matthew's gospel says that he was a notorious criminal. He was involved in murder. But yet they said, We want Barabbas. But yet today people say, We don't want Jesus. We want technology. We want all these goodies, and we're willing to do anything to get it. We want technology. We want, we want uh, world peace, and uh, we want there to be uh, uh, perfect climate conditions, and we want one world leader. And, but no, we don't want Jesus. We don't want God. No. So what are they doing? Same thing. The rejection of Jesus, the Messiah, the only remedy for all of these problems, and God the one true God is the only one deserving to be worshipped. Our Heavenly Father, Jesus, His Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, three distinct persons in one. Praise the Lord. God is only worthy of our worship. One more thing. One more thing that's being worshipped right now and will grow in worship and adoration amongst the people of the world as we move further into the end of the end. And that is artificial intelligence. What is artificial intelligence? It's computer programming that is designed to make dumb machines smart. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm all for a portion of that, but it's eventually going to go out of control. But there is a place where I appreciate it. I mean, if we have a bomb that somebody has put the countdown timer on and they've left and the SWAT team finds out about it. Well, let's not send them in to detonate it because, or, or try to detrigger it because they might die. It might go off. There might be a mistake. They might cut the wrong wire. Hey, let's send the robot in with artificial intelligence and let him defuse the thing. And by the way, if he makes a mistake and it gets blown up, it's just a machine. It's replaceable, but people aren't. Let's let the uh, robots with artificial intelligence. Let's send them down into the bottom of the cold mines and let's let them extract the precious minerals and the other things that we need to make uh, humanity better and warmer. Let's let the machines do that so that we have less humans doing these dangerous jobs. In order for the machines to do that, uh, we need artificial intelligence. And I can understand eventually it rising to a point where, yes, it can navigate your vehicle. Because I don't mind driving my vehicle, but there's a limit. If I'm taking a trip, anything over three hours, uh, this is this has passed from like a, a fun, enjoyable drive to now it's like becoming, uh, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Okay, so yeah, the machine can do all that for you, and you can do something else productive with your time. I'm all for that. But, my friends, I have noticed a worship of artificial intelligence, which is a high level of technology. But this is something that's going to get worse. We need to be aware of it. And don't, don't bow down and worship it. I think I need to tell you where I believe it's going. Revelation chapter 13, Revelation chapter 13, verse 11. John the apostle says, then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives by the way, that's one of the greatest weapons that Satan has is deception. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. 
Now we know what took place in the ancient days with Daniel the prophet, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how at one time they were told to worship the image of the beast. And that was an image of Nebuchadnezzar himself. Well, technically it wasn't the image of the beast back then. It was just the image. Okay. A precursor, a foreshadowing of what would come one day. And it is absolutely coming. Praise the Lord. But my friends, uh, people have wondered, well, how is this image? By the way, the image is not the beast. The beast is a real person, but he sets up this image of himself and People all over the world have, have to worship this image. If you don't, you're going to be killed. Now, now remember, you have to worship it. Can't just wave at it. Say, well, that's very interesting. No, you have to worship it. If you don't, you are killed. And it says that this image will talk. It will speak. So what's going on? Most likely, we're looking at very high levels of artificial intelligence. And um, it's going to be frightening, realistic in its ability to communicate and so forth. Mm -mm. I talked to one man in a certain country, a very modern country, but a small country. And when COVID was getting real bad, um, his country locked everybody down and locked people down with like, like almost like an antichrist totalitarian, you know, if you're out walking, we're going to throw you in prison type thing. I mean, it was like, and if you did go out, you have to have your card and boy, they're going to examine it. And if you don't have your card, oh, who will throw you in the prison? I mean, it's just like antichrist, you know, these are antichrist junior <laughs> wishing that they could be the big one, the beast. Okay. But, uh, I said, well, I said, uh, why don't you leave? Why don't you just take a trip Go somewhere else for a while. He said, he said, Pastor Stephen, I can't. He said, there's cameras everywhere and they watch everything. There are cameras on every street, on every pole, on every on every intersection. He said, because it's a small country. He said, there is nowhere where they can't watch you except in your house. But you know, as far as like trying to get out or leave, he said, there's no escape. They can track everything. Now, back in those control booths, there aren't people actually watching through the camera. I mean, it might be a few people, but these cameras are so many places. There's thousands of them. They're all being fed into a computer that's running on artificial intelligence where everybody's face is mapped. They can tell who you are just by your movement. Your movement to walk is unique from anybody else. And they're very advanced. And he said, uh, he said I can't go anywhere. So he said, I have to think about the future because of situations like this. Well, I think the best thing for the future is uh, get be on the first load out. <laughs> the catching up of the saints. Amen. Woo. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. But there will be terror when this man is unleashed and it's going to be awful. By the way, verse 16 says he causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, if a person takes that mark, you're done for. There's no retreating, no coming back to the Lord. You are on your way to the lake of fire. Why? Because if you take that mark on your hand or on your forehead, it is, uh, it's like a neural uplink. And they sink you in with the Antichrist system, and they will actually be able to hijack and take over your mind. They will control your mind. They will tell you when to get up and work 18 hours all day long for the beast. They will tell you when to bow and to worship, and you can't stop it. You have surrendered your will to them, and they have linked you to their Antichrist system. You're on your way to hell. You're on your way to the lake of fire if you take that mark. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All of this is false worship. All of this is worshiping other things besides God. But there is something that we can do so we always stay strong so that even in these areas in which we live today, we never worship anything that our hands would make or anything that we have, maybe a gift or something. We never worship those things. We only worship the Lord. And let me show you what we can always do uh, to stay fresh and our worship of the Lord alone. 
And let's turn back just for a moment. Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Praise the Lord. Let's drop down to verse 9. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before Him. And then they go on to worship and say thanks to the Lord, such as, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist. Praise God. But my friends, you always want to take time to worship the Lord. Prayer is important, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't worship. You should have a lot of worship going on in your life. And one of the best ways to do that at times is just to get down like the elders do on your knees. Hallelujah. Maybe with that thing, maybe with that ephod or maybe with that ring or something like that, because God's going to give you a nice things. Maybe even uh, a couple of them or, you know, whatever it might be of the same, he'll bless you. But one of the best things to do is just get on your knees and lift your hands and worship the Lord. And there are some Christians that have never once in their life knelt in the presence of Almighty God. Maybe they've done it sitting down, standing up, but they have never once got on their knees and lifted their hands and said, Lord, I will worship you only. I will never worship a politician. I will never worship a man, no matter how charismatic they may be. I will never worship the government. I will never worship anything or anyone but you and to get on their knees and very importantly, take off your crown and lay it down before the Lord. Take off your ring, take off your watch, take off, uh, uh, you know, uh, park the, the Ferrari over there. Okay. Whatever it might be. And, uh, cast your crowns before the Lord. Uh, see if you, even if you kneel, but you're before the Lord and you keep that crown on your head, the Lord's going to think, well, I'm the king here. What does he think he's doing? How come they're not taking their crown off? Because I'm the one that blessed them with all of those things. I'm the one that gave them that crown. How come they're not taking their crown off? Take off your crown and worship the Lord. Woo! Hallelujah! And, and when people ask you about something maybe nice you have, say, Jesus has blessed me with that. They think you're a nut. They think you're crazy. Well, who are you going to worship? You're going to worship the Lord? Hallelujah. Get down on your knees in front of Jesus and just lift your hands and say, Jesus, I thank you. I worship you. Hallelujah. Amen. Why not? They get down before satanic rock musicians and lift their hands and worship them. How come you can't worship the Lord? Mm, out in public even. Glory to God. Give God honor. Give God glory publicly. Praise God. Hallelujah. There is something about getting on your knees and letting people know where you stand. You can take a stand while you're knelt, your crowns laid before the Lord, every blessing, knowing that it came from God. And it did. Look at Job. Job had all of this stuff, thousands and thousands of, live, of livestock animals, and they, they were all killed. And he lost family members. They're all gone. But then God gave it all back double. So God really is the source. God's the one that gave the crown. God's the one that gave the goodies. Let us never worship things. Let us always worship the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want to ask you to lift your hands right now. Father, I pray that you bless your people, that their eyes be solely on you, that they would never worship uh, a system. They would never worship a person. They would certainly never worship a thing. No matter how beautiful, exquisite that thing might be. Now, Father, we thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Woo! Praise God. Praise God. And you know, when you pray, it keeps you centered, or else these things can pull you just like they did Gideon. They pulled Gideon over to a place, he got caught up in the ephod movement. <laughs> <laughs> and he's ready to go to the next ephod event hosted by him. Oh Lord, have mercy. Praise God. Stay grounded. Stay centered in Christ. 
And you'll understand where real wealth is. It's in people. It's not in things. It's in people. Rescue people. Rescue people. Mm. I saw a, a shirt uh, a couple of months back. I thought it was really smart. The shirt had a little baby seal. Real cute looking. And there was a statement that the seal was making. The little baby seal said, I'm doing okay. Go rescue the human babies. Wow. Praise the Lord. Love people, save people, rescue people. I'm, we're going to be nice to the planet, but the planet's got a lot of problems. There's junk, garbage, trash, radioactive decay. Bombs have been exploded, uh, atomic testing. Uh, there's problems. There's junk, sin, rivers polluted, and it's just a mess. Jesus is the only one who can fix it. It's a sin problem. Stay focused. Give people the gospel. Don't let stuff detract, distract you because I'm telling you, knowledge is going to increase. It's, going to, it's, it's a pull. Stay focused on the Lord. Father, bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Now, if you're watching today's program, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to pray and receive him now. If you are someone who used to be a dedicated Christian, but you have fallen away from the Lord, got bamboozled by the world, it's time for you to rededicate your life to Jesus right now. Both of you pray this prayer. Hallelujah. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Wash my sins away. I surrender my life to you completely. I'm yours. I worship you and you alone. Write my name in your book of life. Step into my life. Lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name I pray. Amen. Praise God. Woo. Glory. Glory. Glory to God. Lift your hands and praise him for saving you. For saving your soul. Glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. What foolishness and deception is played upon the people of the human race to think this is important. We need to focus on this when that is not the focus. It's the devil leading you down the broad path of destruction that ends in eternal separation from God and a place of indescribable horror and never ending pain. Praise God. Hallelujah. Serve the Lord. Stay focused. Praise God. We're going to a city with streets made of gold. We're going to a city with gates made of pearl. There's rewards and blessing for you. Stay focused. Praise God. Don't let anything pull you away from the Lord. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's take Holy Communion. Grab some grape juice, some unleavened bread. If you don't have unleavened bread, grab a little cracker, a little wafer, whatever you've got. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. We set it apart as being holy. Thank you, Father, for the body of the Lord Jesus. He died for us. He was offered the whole world. And all of its glory and riches and power, if he would just bow down and worship Satan. Father, he didn't do it, and neither will we. We belong to you. Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, we receive strength to be faithful in a very dirty world. We thank you. We receive the strength to be faithful. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Polycarp, the early Christian martyr, was going into the Roman Colosseum to be eaten and devoured by lions. But he was the leader, the apostolic father to so many people, the elder of the faith. And as he was going through the corridor into that Colosseum to face his last living moments alive, he heard a voice from heaven speak to him and say, play the man, Polycarp, play the man. In other words, be a man, be a man, because what you do affects your, your, your status of your eternal destiny. And it's going to influence 
people throughout history, even to the point thousands of years later, here I stand talking about his epic faith, and he didn't compromise or bow. He didn't fall down and worship the, the emperor who would have let him off the hook if he would have worshiped him. He didn't do it. Some of you need that backbone to be the man, to be the woman God called you to be. No fickleness. <laughs> I might lose my job. Lose their job. Hallelujah. Keep your faith and keep your dignity in God. Hallelujah. As if there aren't other jobs out there. <laughs> As if God can't take care of you. He can. Play the man. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus and his mighty cleansing power. We receive it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together. Woo. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. My friends, thank you for watching. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Have a great week. When I leave, I would like for you to kneel before the Lord. Some of you have never done it. You've actually literally never got on your knees. Many of you have. There's some of you, though, you never have. Lift your, get on your knees, get on your hand, uh, lift your hands and say, God, I worship you. And then figuratively take your crown, okay, and set it before the Lord and say, Lord, everything I have is because of you. Everything I have from the toilet paper in my bathroom to the pillows on my bed to the shoes on my feet, you gave me everything I have. God, every blessing, every crown I put before you, it all came from you. Amen. And when you do that, you'll never be hoodwinked with false worship. Praise God. God bless you. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.